fact, we're in this series called Transitions for, for Growth, and, and uh, today I'm preaching a sermon called Preparing for Transition. Listen to me. We are in some crazy times right now in this world. Read your Bible. Read the end times, what it says, and we are in the middle of it, and there are changes happening and we need to be prepared for transition. We need to be prepared for transition always in our life because it happens constantly. And our main Bible verse for this sermon is the series is Ecclesiastes 3.1, which says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Listen, life is a series of transitions. From birth to childhood to adolescence to middle age to, to older to, to death. All of us go through all of those stages. And uh, there's a transition at every grade level at school. There's a transition from being single to married. Some transition from married to single. It's a transition from having no children to having a child. And you have to transition your parenting style from, from parenting a baby to a toddler to a school-age child to a teenager to, to an adult. You have to change your parent, to empty nest. You have to transition through, through all of those. We've, we're always in transition. We're always in changing seasons, and we must be prepared for it. So really, the first thing to do in, in, in preparing for transition is realizing it's going to happen. Don't be surprised by it. Sometimes we choose it. Sometimes we don't. For example, we might quit a job because we find a, a better one. But sometimes a company has cutbacks and lets us go unexpectedly. You didn't choose that. It's transition. There's big transitions that happens in life, big transitions that happen in careers, big transitions that happen in, in our spiritual life, in our, in our ministry regarding career. And I'm going to touch on some of that today. By the way, this is going to be a very practical message. It's not going to be a jump and shout message. It might be a sit and squirm message because I'm going to try to help you. In a practical way. Is that okay? I, I, I want to help you today in, in moving up in, in your career. Because it, and, and I'm going to tell some stories about Pastor Devin and I today. Not, not to somehow, what did I say? Okay, did I? Occasionally I say stuff and I'm like, what did I just say? Uh, we've had to make transitions. Uh, we, and to see growth in our life. I mean, we, we got married when we were... 17 and 18. I mean, think about that. We were just children. And just the changes we've, we've gone through together. In fact, we looked at each other today and said, you know, we kind of did it. We grew old together. We always talked about growing old together. Well, hey, we've grown old together. Here we are. Let's enjoy it. We've made some transitions. Some have been very hard and some have been very good. But we've learned some things in transitions in life, in family, in ministry, in career. And we want to help you uh, with, with those things. Um, but many people are way too passive when it comes to change and transition and, and moving up. And, and, and they're just waiting, sitting around waiting for something to happen. And complaining about it when it doesn't happen. And by the way, if you want to move up, like in your career, and your job, if you want to move up, I suggest talking to a supervisor or a mentor about it. Let them know, hey, I want to advance. What do I need to do? I've done that all throughout my career. I've done it in church. I've done it when I was in business. I've gone to somebody above me and say, I want to go move forward. I want to make transitions. I want to grow. What do I need to do? Give me some specifics. What do I need to change to, to, to grow? It's that way in business. It's that way at church. 
By the way, at church, please do me a favor. If you desire to be a leader or a minister, I've, had, I've actually had people leave the church and, and on the way out tell me, I had the desire to do a certain ministry, but you never came to me about it, and so I'm going somewhere else to do it. Wait a minute. How many conversations have we had? Some of them, many, many, many conversations over many, many years. You never once said anything to me about wanting to do that, that ministry. I'm sorry. I'm not that good, I guess. I'm not that good to know what everybody ought to do. Sorry. Please help me out here. Come to me. That's what I did when I wanted to go into ministry. I went to Pastor Olin. I was the drummer in the church. I said, Pastor Olin, I want to do more than drums. I want to teach. I want to pastor. And he said, okay, that's awesome. Here's some things you got to do. He told me some practical things. Man, you need to do this in your family. You need to go back to Bible school and get your degree. You need to start doing this and that. I, I want to teach Pastor Olin. Great. I'm teaching up here from the pulpit. He said, our five-year-old class needs a teacher right now. So get down there and start teaching. I said, yes, sir. And I started there. You've got to start where you are and start small, but get somebody to help you move on to prepare you. You've got to be prepared for transition. Ecclesiastes 10, 5 through 7 says this. This is the New Living Translation. There's an evil I've seen under the sun. Kings and rulers make a grave mistake when they give great authority to foolish people. Man, we've seen that before, haven't we? And low positions to people of proven worth. I have seen servants riding horseback like princes and princes walking like servants. Wow. This passage talks about two errors. Those who are placed into a position of authority prematurely. And then it talks about those who should be in a position of authority but who are not. And as I preached last week in my sermon, you've got to be prepared to transition to another position. You've got to position yourself for transition, and then you've got to prepare yourself for it. There's a time of pre preparation and maturing before you're put into a position of authority. And those who do not submit to the process end up riding a horse they cannot control. It's like they're in the rodeo on a bucking bronco and they can't last eight seconds and they get thrown off and trampled in the dirt. I've seen so many times that happened in my years as a, as a pastor. I've seen pastor who, people who were ready to, thought they were ready to oversee a ministry, but, but they weren't ready to ride that horse yet. I'm like, here's a little pony. Get on this pony and ride. But they wanted the big jumping horse. They weren't ready. Tried to warn them, but they went off and did it, did it anyway, and sometimes ended thrown off the horse and, and, and trampled. That's why we lay hands suddenly on nobody. That means we don't put them into a position of authority quickly. It takes time. Now listen, only those who are faithful in small things will be given more. This is the main thing I want you to see in preparing for transition, preparing when I'm talking about transition today, it's moving up and it's moving on. You've you got to be faithful with small things. If somebody does not show up for church on time, they don't tithe, they don't serve in any way, why should they be in a ministry or, or pastor a church? Come on, the church has seen enough 
slaves riding horses, people who are not ready for the position they are in. But we've also seen too many princes walking like slaves. In Bible times, princes were supposed to ride horses, not walk. And princes were people who were living beneath their position in life. That's why we're trying to teach you who you are in Christ, trying to teach you that the change has to happen in your mind first. You've got to know who Jesus is, and you've got to know who Christ is in you. That's why I taught you last week that transition begins in your mind before you ever see it in your life. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this today. You're looking for some change, and I'm telling you, you're wanting something out here to change, but something in here needs to change first. Your thinking needs to begin to line up with this. It takes preparation to make transition. Now, for sake of time, who's running? Who's running my? Okay, Larissa, I am skipping right now over doing some editing on the fly. That Luke 16 passage, the first eight verses, I'm skipping over 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I'm skipping over 1 Corinthians 15.46, and I'm going to that last part in Luke that starts with he who is faithful with very little. You with me? Say yes, please. Okay. I just cut some great stuff, but I really felt God gave me this. I, said, I was sitting down there saying, God, I'm going to be short on time. He said, cut this part. And it'll still be okay. So you with me? All right. Jesus, in this parable in Luke 16, it was the parable of the unwise, unjust steward. And and, uh, it's an interesting parable, but I'm not going to go through it all today. But I'm just going to read the the three principles Jesus brought out at the end of that parable. That's what I skipped to. You with me? He who is faithful with very little will be faithful with much. There you are. Thank you so much. He who is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with very much. Oh, it was only a little white lie. Beware of people telling you, it's only a little white lie. Uh, It was only a little bit that I took. He who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. He who is dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in handling worldly wealth... Who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been faithful with what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Jesus gives us three principles here for preparing for transition, for moving up, for moving on. Number one, you must be faithful with small things before you're given more. That's what Jesus said. He said, I got bigger blessings for you, but you got to be faithful down here first. We see it all through the Bible. Joseph had to be faithful all through his life. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was bought by a man named Potiphar, and, and Joseph served him faithfully. Think about this. He's a, he bought him. He's the man's slave. Genesis 39, 4 through 6 says, This pleased Potiphar, which is the way that Joseph was being faithful. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. All his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing. Now, when your boss leaves you in charge, is he able to go to the beach, lay on the beach, not have to call you every 30 minutes, everything okay? You didn't burn the place down yet or nothing? Everything all right? You you still open? I mean, is he having to worry about it? Or can he go out on the beach and lay there knowing, hey, that person's in control. They got it. I don't have to worry about a thing. Joseph was faithful in small things. It got him noticed. He was given more and more authority over, over everything. And then Joseph was wrongly accused of rape. 
wrongly imprisoned and remained faithful there in the prison. He went from being sold by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, now gone to prison for something he did not do. And Genesis 39, 22, 23 says, The warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Listen, when you are faithful, it means nobody has to watch you over your shoulder all the time to make sure you're working. Faithfulness starts where you are now. We see it all through Joseph's story, not just when he got into the palace and was a second in command. He started as a slave. He started as, as a, in a prison, and God blessed him. Faithfulness starts where you are now, with what you have now. So many Christians say, well, I'll be faithful in prayer and Bible study when I get out of school or I get a different job or I get a better schedule. No, you won't. It won't be easier ever. I'm in full-time ministry. I still have to fight to be faithful in my personal quiet time. Some people think, I'll be faithful in tithing when when I get more money or when I get a different job or I get out of debt. No, you won't. Studies show that the more people make, the less they tend to give as a percentage of their income. Y'all real quiet with me now. Some people think, (laughs) I'm going to work hard and succeed when they promote me and pay me more money. I've had people as a boss, I've run things in my life. I wasn't a pastor all my life. I've been in business. I've run businesses in my life. I've had people actually come to me and say, If you will pay me more money, I will really show you what I can do. I'm like, dude, or do that, you know. You got it backwards. Show me what you can do. Then I'll show you the money. Your job's not going to pay you more until you're faithful with where you're at and where you prove yourself that you can move forward and do more. Don't deceive yourself into putting your faithfulness off into the future. Somebody needs to hear that. When I get there, then I'm going to do that. If you're thinking that right now, put that thinking out of your mind. Faithfulness starts right now where you're at with what you got. Be faithful right now where you are and you will be prepared for the transitions that God has for you in your life. Be faithful at small things at work and you will advance. If you don't produce where you are, you're not going to get a higher position. Faithfulness in small things causes advancement to bigger things. In church, there's people who want to be in leadership and they can't even come to church on time. They don't tithe. They don't help out. They, but they want to lead. I actually had a guy. This story just came to me. Larry, you remember the guy in our church when we were doing Love of Christ Church? He didn't do anything. Nothing in the church. No, he didn't lift a finger. He didn't greet. He didn't ush. He didn't do anything. He came to me one day and said, Pastor Joe, you know, I really want to get involved in the church. And I said, okay, Larry, you shouldn't probably be saying his name. What, what do you want to do? What, what do you want to do? He said, I want to be an elder. I looked at him. I said, you've done nothing. You've done nothing in our church. Nothing. And you want to go from nothing to being a, a, in the governmental authority, the elders? of the church wrong it's not going to happen that way you got to be faithful in smaller things we've got to see you faithful in smaller things before we put you on a horse ride the pony 
I've, I've talked to missionaries. I literally had a conversation with some people in the past who wanted to be missionaries. This is a true story. It wasn't these guys. <laughs> I'm just looking at them because they know what I'm talking about. So they, they came to me, Pastor Joe, we want to be missionaries. I, and I was so excited. I was legitimately excited. Oh, man, that is so exciting. That is so exciting. Uh, I'm so glad. And, and, and you know, there, there's, there's preparation. There's preparation that needs to happen before you go onto the, the mission field. And, and so what are you doing now to prepare? And they just kind of looked at me with blank stares. I'm like, well, you know, are you going to school? Are you reading Missions books, maybe the great missionaries, stories like that. No. Are, are you um, are you giving to missions now? Oh no, we, we can't even afford this tithe right now. You're not tithing. The, are you are you witnessing to anybody right now? Are you going out sharing your faith with anybody? Are you telling anybody about about Jesus? No. I don't want to get too personal in your life, but financially, if you're going to go into a missionary, be a missionary, nobody goes into missions for money. They got to have money to, to make it, but what they got to do before they go into missions is get their finances in order, get out of debt. They say, oh, we got a lot of debt. I'm like, here's the things you need to do. But I said, what I'm hearing is you are doing nothing to prepare. You're not giving to missions. You're not reading about missions. You're not talking to missionaries. You're not, you're not even sharing your faith right now in your neighborhood. And you want to go to the nations? This is how so many people think. Listen, you've got to start where you are. Start where you are before you can transition into another area. It's the same thing like in, in, in marriage. Listen, the person you are is a person you take into ministry. You won't magically change. Man, when I get to be a pastor, I'm going to really read my Bible and study and pray. No, there's lots of pastors that don't study much or pray much. When I get married, same way. When I get married, I'm going to magically change it to a different person. I can't tell you how many men struggle with pornography and don't overcome it. And they think that when they get married, they won't struggle with it anymore. Wrong. You take the person you are into your marriage. You take the person you are into your ministry. You take the person you are. If you don't overcome those things in your life now, you're not going to overcome them then. And come on, we've seen enough stories of pastors falling from pornography and sexual sin and financial abuse and all this other stuff. Don't think you're going to magically change just because you've got some position. You've got to prepare You've got to prepare. And the preparation is not just about gifting. It's about character. The first person you lead is yourself. And if you can't lead yourself, don't think you can lead anybody else. You've got to be faithful if you're going to prepare for transition. Number two, you've got to be faithful with money. First small thing is money. Oh, man, here we go. You're going to talk about money. Yeah, Jesus talked about it, so I'm going to have to talk about it. Right? I quoted him from up here, right? Y'all remember that? Okay. He said, be faithful with money before you're given true riches. So I, I believe God wants to bless us all with abundance. But if we're not faithful with the money we have, you won't be given more. 
And God says he wants to give us true riches, and there's a lot of definitions of true riches. It could be more, but I think it's spiritual riches. I think it's actually talking about people and people's lives and God entrusting a congregation or other people into your care as a boss or as a business. God's not going to entrust true riches. People are the most important thing to him until he knows you can handle money. God's not going to waste the true riches. And if he can't trust us with money, he's not going to waste true riches on us. People won't talk about walking in power and anointing and they don't even pay their bills or take care of their possessions. How can God bless you with a congregation of hundreds or thousands of people if he can't trust you to take care of your house and your car? How can you plant a church if you don't even mow your own yard? How can you wage war on demons if you can't win the battle over your own flesh? Listen, washing the car, making the beds, washing the dishes, paying the bills, mowing the yard, getting to work on time. They're all natural things and they're important things. That's why around here, if people go into leadership, we want to see if they can serve. We want to see if their house is in order. And sometimes people get upset when we give them a small thing to do. And I want more of the, a bigger thing to do, a, a more visible thing to do. Or, or they get upset if we, like when Pastor Olin King, when I told him I wanted to be in ministry, he told me specific things I needed to address in myself and in the family. And, when, and sometimes when I do that with people, they get upset and leave. And, I, and I'm sad about that. But in, one, in another way, I'm glad that I found it out then with something small before I put them in a position with, uh, the involving true riches, which is you. We take our responsibility uh, for you very seriously. And we're not going to put anybody in a position of authority if their lives are out of order. Listen, nobody's perfect. I realize that. But there's things we got to work on. If we're not willing to work on, I'm saying don't let the door hit you on the way out because we got to be willing to work on things here to help each other out in the name of Jesus. So get your natural house in order so God can bless you with true riches. And remember the principle of sowing and reaping. We sow before we reap. Planting comes before harvest. Giving comes before receiving. You've got to be faithful with your finances before true riches. And then lastly, let me pause and take a breath for a second. You must be faithful with what belongs to someone else before you'll be given your own. We see this again in the life of Joseph. He was faithful everywhere he went. Even when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, Joseph was faithful to God, faithful to Potiphar. Listen, a faithful man can be trusted with another man's wife and another man's money. We should be the same person wherever we are, no matter who is watching. Can you be trusted when nobody's watching? Of course, God's always watching. Younger people, are you taking care of your parents' stuff at home? And usually most of what you call your own is actually theirs. They giveth and they can taketh away. <laughs> Are you being faithful with your parents' stuff? Are you being faithful with your employer's stuff at work? Or is it easy for you to waste it or steal it or whatever? And before Deb and I ever owned a home, by the way, this is interesting. I'm going to talk about this in the future about how people get stuck in transitions. 
If you see somebody 23 these days, you think, man, they're just a kid. When I was 23, I had been married five years, had two children, a thriving career, and we bought our first house at the age of 23. She was 22. That, that, that's no, I'm not saying we're awesome or great. I'm just saying back then, people kind of did things quicker, and we were, did it really quick. But we lived in five houses before we ever bought our own. And every time we rented a house, when we came for them to check it out and must have moved out, every time we got our deposit back, and every time they said, it didn't even look like anybody lived here during the time you were here. You kept this thing perfect. Before we ever, because we were faithful in those homes, other people's, listen, other people's houses. Right now, I own a home in a neighborhood, and I get a little leery when they, they start renting the house out. Because renters don't normally take care of it. If you're a renter, man, mow your yard, keep it clean. I mean, don't let it go. This ain't my house. Listen, God sees. you got to be faithful with somebody else's stuff before you're giving your own. Before we're ever pastor to church, we were members of churches. We were always faithful. Ever since we were young, we in church, teenagers, we were faithful. We gave. We served. We, we, we wanted to do the best for the church and for the pastors. And, and because we were faithful in other people's ministries, we were given our own. And then we started with six people. So we had to be faithful with six people before we, 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 we received 60 people. And we, we had to be faithful with 60 before we got 600 people. you got to be faithful in the small things. I worked for a family Christian store. Originally, I worked for a store called The Living Vine. Some of you remember it in Irving. It was the world's largest Christian store. And I was originally a sales clerk, and, and I did a great job, and I got promoted to a department head. There were four of us department heads. And family Christian stores came in to buy The, the Living Vine. And we all, department heads, we realized they're probably going to send in one of their managers to run this store. We talked about it, prayed about it. I wonder what they're going to be like. But one day it hit me. Why not me? I've been here for years. I have been there when that store was a little bitty tiny store in a strip center until it grew, 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 and took over the whole strip center. I was there as a salesman calling on them from all those steps, and then I was in the music business selling records, and back then we had records, A-tracks, and cassettes, and uh, some of y'all don't even know what those are. But... um, then I worked for them and, and, and as a clerk. Then I ran their music department. And then when Family Christian Store, I, I had been faithful in all these, these I, I was able to, I, I, I felt led to sit down, write out, get, send my resume and write out a letter to the president of the company. I never met him. I, I sent it overnight. He had to sign for it. I did it like that. It's got to be signed for and it's going overnight. And I told him why I thought I was prepared for the transition. I was positioned for the transition. I'm not going to go through all the things I told him, but I, I, I told him, and, and, and lo, lo and behold, I got the job. Some of those other department heads could have probably got it if they tried. I was the only one who overcame passivity, overcame inertia, overcame just thinking about it, and actually did something about it while everybody else was passive. Always remember, faith without works is... Likewise, God has a destiny for you. Listen, listen closely. This is the point. You got to get this. Whatever your destiny is, God will give you smaller versions of it first. 
think of MJBI, Messianic Jewish Bible Institute, now places that were all over the world. Now it's the gateway thing, but you guys are carrying on from MJBI. Started as one little school in Odessa, right? Ukraine. And grew, touched, touched the nations. They were faithful in smaller things and given more. How are you doing with the smaller version of what God has given you? If you learn to be faithful in that smaller version, he will give you larger, more important things. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Do not despise the days of small things. Be faithful in the small things, and you'll see the truth of Job 8-7, which says, Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end will increase abundantly. I'm believing that. I'm believing for that for Grace Fellowship Church. We started with six people in a house. Jerry and Trudy, raise your hand back there. It was us, them, one other couple. That's how we started. We've been faithful. And I believe in our latter days, our latter days, not the church's latter days, we're going to see a more and a more abundant increase. What, are you, what you do now with what you have will determine what God will entrust with you in the future. So the destiny for you right now, the word of the Lord for you right now is be faithful and responsible for what God has given you. And you have the promises of God that when you are faithful with small things, he will give you more. When you're faithful with finance, He'll give you true riches. When you're faithful with other people's things, He will give you your own things. Faithfulness is the key to being prepared for transition. And when you are faithful from the beginning with small things, God will see to it that you will increase. God will see to it that you will advance. God will see to it that you will receive more and more blessings and you will shine brighter and brighter and brighter until that day in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand to your feet. Stand up. We're going to pray for you. Uh, and I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. If you need prayer for anything, first of all, have you given your life to Christ? Have you been born again? Are you just going your own way, trying to find your way through life, making messes? Listen, Jesus today can clean all those messes up, can clean you up, and you can walk out of here a brand new person in Jesus Christ, forgiven of all that past stuff, a new creation in Christ. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit today, I'm encouraging you. You can't live this Christian life on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Come down for prayer. If you need healing, if you need a job, if there's one of these points that, that, would, that stuck out to you, I need prayer for, for this area in my life. If there's something you uh, repented of earlier, you want someone to pray with you for, if you want to pray with somebody else, or if you want to come down to this altar and pray for your own uh, on your own as we sing this last song, I want you to come down for prayer. Thank you so much for being here today. I love you so much with all my heart.